Now broadcasting from Suitland, Maryland, USA, Abiding Truth with Dr. McCune, an outreach of Suitland Road Baptist Church. Please visit us at www.srbcoutreach.org. And now, here's our pastor, Dr. Calvin M. McCune. Praise the Lord. Thank God. The way the Holy Spirit has moved this morning among us. And we give the Lord the praise and the glory and the honor. What a blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This morning, God has placed in my heart to share a message that I have titled, We Preach Christ Crucified. We preach Christ crucified. Now, let me add some things here, some thoughts. Not because you see the word preach, it means that I'm speaking only of the pastor. I'm using that word preach in the sense here of to proclaim. All of us are living to proclaim Christ and to proclaim, to proclaim Christ crucified. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we bless your holy name. We come before you in the name of Jesus. We ask, O oh Holy Spirit, that you reveal your living word in our hearts. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, God, for how you desire and your work, your heart, Lord, is to save the world. And yet, Father, you give us the responsibility to go out and to share the gospel. When you died, Lord, you died for the world. And yet, you told us that we should love you and obey you. And it is your heart's desire, Lord, for everyone to hear the gospel. So thank you, Jesus. That as we surrender to you, we are surrendering, God, to your purpose for our existence. Thank you. For we exist to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to give some opening thoughts here before we get into the word, just to lay a foundation for my message. I don't want to take too much time with this, but I think it's important. If, as we live, it is imperative that we understand what is our God-given reason, what is the God-given reason for our existence? Each of us have to come to that understanding. And we, we have to understand that based on God's truth. Objective, just God's truth. Cannot be challenged. We have to accept it, for this is God-breathed, God's word. 
And then, based on that, we would now have our individual experience with God, our subjective experience with God. Well, what is that truth? Our Lord Jesus told us to go and make disciples. So for all of us, God is saying, and he has said to us, that we exist for the purpose of telling others that Jesus is their Savior. That's the reason why we exist. And now we have that personal responsibility, as we sang this morning, to say, Oh dear God, my heart's desire is to glorify you. It's to obey you. And he says, if we love him, we will obey him. But as we go into this world, this world is not going to embrace the gospel. It is under the domain, the control of Satan. And that will come to an end. Revelation 20.10. God will bring that to an end in his time. Where the devil will be cast into eternal hell forever and ever. And when we speak about the world under Satan's control, that is by no means taking away from the sovereignty of God. He's still sovereign. But when our battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places, the devil coming against God's children, not wanting us to live for the very purpose for which God is keeping us alive. The world will resist that gospel. And the world has a, what it classifies as its own philosophy, its own ideas, its own thoughts, humanistic thinking, pluralistic thinking, the selfish thinking, the thoughts that inside of each person perhaps might be this idea that exists some innate ability to be good when God says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And of recent times, the idea that we are free thinkers and we can choose our own destiny, which has an element of truth. But I am saying our own destiny in that sense of we can choose to believe that there is no God. And give no thought of the afterlife. And at the same time, at the same time, there are those who are saying, I want to believe in God, but I still want to have my freedom to do whatever I want. What a mess. What a complete mess. And the only thing that can make sense to us and does make sense is the word of God. And thank God we have the word of God. Thank God we are saved. Thank God the Holy Spirit is in us. 
That at the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Thank God our minds are being renewed. Thank God that the Spirit is discipling us and giving us gifts as pastors and teachers. As we open the Word of God, we're growing and we're understanding. And we're looking at the world and its reality and and we also know for certainty we have the answers here in the Word of God. So we're not falling apart in the midst of the mess. We have doctrine. We have an understanding from God the way we should think, the way we should live. We're able to give people answers. We're able to say, thus is the word of God. Let's turn to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, and I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9 and verses 23. God is speaking to us. God is speaking to us. And it says, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise glory in his wisdom. Here's a word of warning for those who think that they're wise and they know it all. God says, don't glory in that. And even for us who have this blessing from the Lord, the Lord says, don't boast within wisdom. Let not, let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Don't boast in it. Don't find power in your riches. Those things are temporal. But let him who glories, glory in this. That he understands and he knows me. That he understands and he knows God. For I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness. God is exercising loving kindness. God is exercising judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. God wants us to experience this and to have this in our life also. It's God's people. To be loving and kind and to be fair and to live righteously on this earth. And God delights in this. And as we go into the world and we share this gospel, the world is not going to embrace this gospel all the time. It will resist it. Because the world is saying, don't be loving, but be selfish. The world is saying, don't be just, but rule with power. 
The world is saying, delight in unrighteousness. The world is saying, my behavior is determined by my own personal judgments. It's not being guided by the word of God. If I think it's right, it's right. That's what the world is saying. Therefore, it is not following the righteousness of God. But we go into the world and we are proclaiming the gospel message to such a hostile world. The world is saying, I have the answers. I don't need to be saved. I don't need to hear about Jesus. The world is saying, if it's possible, I would be happy to come to your church and I will be happy to sit and to listen to you as long as I feel good. As long as you say what pleases me, as long as you do not disturb me. If you say what I want you to say, then I will keep coming and I will keep giving. The world is saying, I am seeking pastors and teachers who will say exactly what I want you to say. And God is saying to us, go into the world and say to the world, you're lost and you have a destiny and it's called hell, but God loves you and he provided a way for that destiny to change. But you have to come to God through his son, Jesus Christ. God is saying to us, and he has said to us, going to the world. And as you go, the world is not going to embrace that gospel all the time. The world will resist it. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. When the message of the cross goes out, that is the message concerning salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That is not a message of condemnation. That is a message of love. It is a message of love. It is not saying to the world, you need to be righteous to come to heaven on your own effort. It is saying Jesus took care of your problem. And through the righteousness that is found in Jesus, you can you will be on your way to heaven. That's what that message is. It, but it is a message that also says you have to come to an understanding that you need a Savior. And also there is an idea in there that says that when you receive Jesus, when you accept him as your savior, you're also understanding as you go along, you are embracing everything concerning God. That now you have to follow him. Now you have to serve the Lord Jesus. 
that you cannot serve God and you cannot serve the world at the same time. And because the devil implants fear in people's heart, that whole reality becomes confusing to people. And they're just not willing to give up what the devil has to offer. What says to the soul, the self and the pride and the sense of worldly power and selfishness, they're not willing to give that up. And they have a thought in their mind. Well, if I accept Jesus as my Savior, I will have to quit on that. And I'm not willing to give up my riches, not yet. I am not willing to give up my ungodly lifestyle. I am not willing to give that up. I don't want to give up my freedom. I don't want to give up my philosophies and my ideas and my humanistic thinking. It's my right to be like that. And I am not willing to give it up. And when the gospel goes forth that says, you are a sinner and Jesus died for you, you have to repent, you have to accept Jesus as your Savior. You can see we're in the demonic realm. Satan is going to work against that unbeliever. Because the devil wants to take as many people as he can to hell. Verses 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. I want to say this in this message. My focus here is when we preach, when we share the gospel with others, don't complicate it. It's a message that has its focus on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Don't complicate it. People have a way of asking us, well, tell me about your religion. Tell me about your church. I want to hear about your Christianity. And if we, if we begin to have dialogue with them concerning that, and sometimes that may be necessary, but then they begin to go down the road that says, who are you to tell me that you are right and I'm wrong? Well, we are proclaiming the wrong message to them if we start to debate them. We're not telling them about a religion. We're not telling them about a system that may come under the brand Christianity. We're telling them about a person, and his name is Jesus. And we're telling them what Jesus did for the world. We're preaching Christ and Christ crucified. We're saying to them that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. We're telling them that God says in his word, for God so loved the world. He did not give us a religion. He gave us his only begotten son. That whosoever, not practice religion, but whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that's why the devil hates that. 
The devil hates the gospel message because Christ destroyed the stronghold of Satan on Calvary Street. The devil actually thought he would keep him in the grave. And they know they would not have crucified the Son of Man. But then he rose again. He rose again. That's why the world will resist it. Are you following this? And the world will bring ideas and thoughts that make Christianity appear on the message of the cross to be foolishness. Do you really believe that God came in the person of this man named Jesus almost 2,000 years ago? Do you really believe that he rose again? Do you really believe he will come back one day? There was a time when people did the same thing. It was in the time of Noah. And God says that will happen in the end time also. People will be mocking and laughing at Christians. What uneducated statement to make. There aren't any scientific proof for this. We cannot prove God in a lab and we don't intend to. But our message is based on the word of God. And someone can say, well now, wait a minute. You're arguing that this is the word of God. Well, the final truth on this, of course, we have the evidence based on its historical value. The hundreds and hundreds of prophetic words fulfilled. But ultimately, what will be the final test? It is appointed unto man once to die. And when you die, you sure will know. You sure will know. In hell, people will confess that Jesus is Lord. Good confession, bad location. For since the wisdom of God, in the wisdom of God, verses 21, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Man, with all his earthly wisdom, he failed to recognize that God is God. And God, the preaching of the gospel message, living to tell others that Jesus loved them, appears to be so simplistic. But yet, eternity rests in that truth. We don't complicate it. And we, we are living for that. For the Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. <coughs> Let us see, do something so that we can believe in your Jesus. Prove by thoughts and scientifically that your Jesus is really God. Verses 23, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, or to the Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, 
and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man. And the weakness of God is stronger than man. What an awesome concept. When a man brings something to us, what I like with this verse is this. Why? Someone might come to me and I'm telling them that Jesus loves them. Christ loves them. He died for them. And they may say, now, wait a minute. I have two PhDs. I'm a physicist. That is true. And I cannot argue with your years of academic achievement, your scholarship. Matter of fact, I have to respect it. Nevertheless, I am not presenting my own thoughts. I'm telling you what God says. So, I sense I'm telling you what God says, and I'm just proclaiming to you what God says. We can have a discussion by all means. But don't think that I will get into the ring and fight with you. Because it's not about philosophy or my own ideas. In other words, you have an argument, you're going to eventually take it to whom? To God! Now, does that negate the responsibility for us to be at times apologists and to be able to understand the way people think? Does it negate our responsibility not only for what we say, but how people interpret what we say? By no means. We have to understand those things. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom. We have to be patient and not arrogant, but loving and kind and so forth. But by all means, listen, the gospel is the gospel. When everything is said and done, the gospel is that simple truth. And I am not going to try to make it so highfalutin with words to impress anyone. It's a simple truth. I'll listen to all your studies and philosophy and physics and everything. I'll listen for three hours. By then, my ear might be hurting me. But at the end of it, here is the simple truth. Jesus loves you. And he does not want you to die without knowing him. And you need to open your heart to that truth. And I understand your dilemma to the degree as far as I can understand it. Because I myself, 50 years ago, when I heard the gospel, did not embrace it. I held on to traditional perspectives. I held on to pride and family perspective. Who are you to tell me about born again? You're insulting my generation. But I thank God. I thank God that after all of that, the brother that is proclaiming Jesus, he listened to me. He listened as I talk. He would say, you need to be born again. Jesus loves you. He is God. He came and he died for you. And then he would listen to me as I'm walking all the way. I'm speaking all this, these thoughts to him. And he just listened. And the very next day, he starts right over again with John 3.16. God loves you. I eventually said to him, what are you doing? 
We preach Christ and Him crucified. And the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom to understand the person dilemma and where they're at. But the end of it all, don't complicate the message. God, we can't impress God. We can't bring our ideas or philosophy to the Lord and think that he will be so moved by that. And he does not need that help in his gospel. People have to embrace it by faith. And we have to reach out to everyone. It's easier when we do, as this church, as we will be doing on Saturday, when we go out, when we go to the streets, when we go from door to door and we evangelize, that's easy. The tough one is when you meet the man who makes $10 million a year or more. And he looks at his successes. And it becomes a block to him. But the message is the same. And our love for him is the same. And Jesus loves him the same. I had one man said to me at one time, he said, many people invited him, including some pastors, out for lunch. And he uh, at dinner at different times. And he's a medical doctor. And the first time I met him, I listened to him. I said, you need to be born again. That's good that you're a medical doctor. You understand how complex this body is. Let me tell you, Jesus loves you. The man began to weep. And he says, you're the first pastor. That is not, did not invite me to dinner and, and make it so that my thoughts are, well, I don't want to offend the brother, the man. Because it's not maybe the, the academic thing to do. If he leaves my office and he goes in the street and he dies... He will be in hell. Thank God for his medical degree. Thank God for that. I may even need to go to him. And I did after. But that day he accepted Jesus. We preach Christ and him crucified. And yet we will meet people as we go out on the streets that have all type of a history of problems and background and struggles of life, tough life, drugs, alcohol, immoral living, confusion. The message is the same. Jesus loves you. And we trust the Holy Spirit. When we proclaim that message, the Holy Spirit will take it and apply it in people's heart because it is about God's love and it is God's word. And then we will meet those who will be resistant. As one sister in one particular country said to me a couple of months ago, she said, Sir, I know I can die at any moment. This child is only 23 years old. Most of the people in her country, they are of a different religious belief. She says, I know I can be killed. I can die at any moment. But I told my Lord and Savior Christ Jesus, I will live to tell others that he is your savior, even if 
I die. And all around the world today, all around us, believers are under persecution. Different levels of persecution that we don't experience here. A few nights ago, I'm ministering to some saints in another country, and they had to meet at 9 o'clock in the night. Dear time. So that I can encourage those pastors. They arranged at first for five people, five pastors to come together. Called me about 20 minutes before and said, well, we have a problem. And I'm thinking, oh no, the authorities found them. And they said, well, we asked that five pastors come, but 25 came. So we have to change location. But God protected them. An hour after, they said, let's stop because they will suspect the lights will stay on for too long. Why are they doing that? Because they love the Lord Jesus as we love the Lord Jesus. And the world is resisting the gospel. But we know the only hope for people is the Lord Jesus Christ. We preach Christ and him crucified. We are not threatened by the world. We're not going to try to adjust. We're not going to try to make Jesus into some great philosopher. Jesus is Savior. And yes, in some sense, he certainly is. But he is Savior. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things that are despised, God has chosen. And the things that which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. You see, saints, God, even when we proclaim the gospel, the world may say to us, if, if I have to listen to you, you have to create an impression. So that, so that you will make yourself, in my thinking, that you are worthy for me to listen to. And we say to the world, your problem is, you're listening to me as though it's my message. But it is God's message. And even if I create an impression, even if I can impress you in such a way that you, you finally conclude that I have more knowledge in some area whatever the discipline might be, better than you, I've written more books than you, I've received more achievements, I've won more Nobel Prizes than you. That is still not my message. If I bring that before God, it's foolishness. The message is still Jesus. And that's the only message that can save you. It is still Christ and Him crucified. Now, I want to conclude with this because here is a challenge now. Because you see, so far, we're doing fine, aren't we? So far, we're doing good. Verses 31 says, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And this is what we read in Jeremiah 29. And here is the challenge now. We already cover 
the gospel and the resistance of the world. Now we have to see its application to us. Because here is what the world is saying to the church. The world infiltrated, has infiltrated the church. You are saved. You are a Christian. And you're saying you're glorifying God. But it's okay to say that you are, you are maturing as a Christian. And it's okay to even say you're glorifying God. As long as you don't preach Christ and him crucified. Now I'm going to give you some time to think about that one. Are you following that? Because remember what I said when we started this message? So far it's easy, isn't it? Until that, till that truth is at home. Because remember where we started? We started with, with this thought. If we have not come to terms, each of us, what is the reason for my existence? I'm not just talking now collectively. When you look in the mirror, as a child of God, why am I breathing? Why am I existing? If we redefine glorifying God, if we use anything other than, for me, I am living to proclaim the message of Jesus. Here is what happened. Here is what might happen. Because we want to talk about brethren now. Because that's what Paul is talking about in Corinthians. It's not that we have lost our salvation. God will not say, oh, take back my salvation. Take back my Holy Spirit. No. But it means that we are living without the purpose, that potential for which Christ wants us to live. Are you following this? Think about that for a moment. Because on this side of eternity, this is the time to ask. This is the moment to ask that, isn't it? God. When you say, he who glories. That's what, that was the issue there concerning Jeremiah, isn't it? And Paul is quoting directly from Jeremiah. He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And he makes it very clear. We preach Christ and him crucified. That's how God is glorified in this world. That's how Jesus is being glorified in this world. And that is a question only each of us, each of us brothers and sisters, we have to ask that at the personal level. Each of us have to ask that and be serious before God. And if we don't understand it, be honest. Holy Spirit, help me to understand this question. Just be honest before God. Are we following this? Here is a mistake. We don't want to do this. We don't want to redefine glory. 
We don't want to say, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to have this. God wants to solve all my problems. God, you better prove yourself to me. God is proving himself to me. Therefore, I am a child of God. What we have to say is, oh dear God, I don't have to run all over the place. You already commanded me, Messiah, that you want me to go and tell others that you die for them. That's very clear. So my question is, Lord Jesus, am I really living to tell others to proclaim your gospel? Is that my reason for breathing, for existing? Is my reason for existing my marriage? Wrong reason. Is my reason for existing my children? Wrong reason. God says that very clear. Don't put anyone. Jesus says that. Don't put husband. Don't put wife. Don't put children. Don't put career. Don't put anything before him. Thank you. Thank you, Harvey. It's God's truth, isn't it? It's God's truth. And when we preach the gospel in the world, we will have resistance. And when we desire, listen, when we desire to surrender to Jesus, to say, oh dear God, remove every obstacle in my life so that I can live for you, we will have resistance. Yes, yes. The devil will come against us in all forms. We haven't stepped into the world yet, right? This is the other part. We already covered that. Remember we already covered that? Good. Now we're talking about the heart searching. So, don't walk away today saying, Pastor, preach a harsh, a harsh message. No, God led Pastor to preach a message that is loving. Right? That's what God did today. That's why He moved. That's why the Spirit moved that says, Sing praises to me again. That's why. Now, we will close in prayer. Don't turn off the system yet. Brother Ethan, keep it going, because then we'll have the gospel going forth after. But we have to close here with this moment. Others who will be listening, they're listening into just what the Spirit is doing here. Let's come before the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Dear God, Jesus, thank you. Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. You have saved us by your grace and your mercy. You allow us to hear the gospel. There may be 
Others like myself, dear God, who resisted that gospel. But God, in your mercy, you softened my heart to this truth, as you did with all of us. And we accepted you, Jesus, as our Savior, and you sealed us with your Spirit. Now, Father, Jesus, you commanded us to go into the world and to tell the world that you love the world and that you provided salvation for the world. And dear God, you told us the world will resist. So we ask for boldness in the name of Jesus. We ask Holy Spirit for your filling in the name of Jesus. We ask for courage in the name of Jesus. We ask for patience in the name of Jesus. We ask for clarity that we will share the gospel, Lord. We ask for wisdom at times when we have to understand others and understand their circumstances to help them to think, O Holy Spirit, and to be open to truth. Thank you, Jesus. We ask your filling, O Holy Spirit, as you use us If you desire God to use us to pray for the unsaved, to bring healing, dear God, which will then open their hearts to receive the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, Father, we pray for ourselves. Oh, Holy Spirit, because you commanded us, Lord, to live to tell others. The crucified Christ. And then you said, Father, let us glory in you. So, Father, take us to your cross. Correct us, chastise us. God, take us because whom you love, you chasten. Correct us, O God, so that we will not glory in self or in anything else, but glory in you so that we can live for you, Lord Jesus. Remove every obstacle. Remove every idol, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, you understand our frame and our weaknesses. Strengthen us, Lord Jesus. Give us wisdom from your word and help us, O Holy Spirit, not only to be a hearer, but a doer of the word. Thank you, Jesus. What we understand, we are so thankful. And what we don't, help us to understand. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let's keep going. I'm going to share the gospel. Brother Ethan, you didn't turn that off, did you? Bless the Lord. For all those who are listening, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. I've seen God use me in so many nations around the world. The message is so simple. To people that have had people from all different cultures and languages, other believers interpret. The message is the same. Jesus loves you. He is your Savior. He is God. You may not understand well, certainly you, we cannot understand it until we get to heaven. 
But this we understand. We have a problem, don't we? With sin. We know that. God solved that problem. I'm not presenting to you a religion. I'm presenting to you a person. His name is Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ. He is your Savior. Come to him today. Accept him as your Savior. Receive him in your heart as your Lord, as your Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Let's pray for those who are listening. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. By faith, I accept you as my Savior. Lord Jesus, thank you for your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my sin on Calvary Street. Thank you. I believe in you. I accept you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, I pray believing. Amen. Praise God. We bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.